This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy Anna, Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT of VEASAN on the Sports Better's Paradise, talking some NFL Week 3 here in uh, Week 2. Well, Week 1, JVT, we had the uh, all of the drama, uh, the mm-hmm. endings that were all in, in the balance and, you know, lead changes left and right in the waning moments of, of every game, it seemed. And then last week, well, Week 2, the improbable, the improbable comebacks. I mean, there were some teams that were dead that just came out. Some bad calls aided some along the way. But your impressions of week two? Uh, no, I, I agree, right? I was actually on the, the lucky side of one of those comebacks. I had the Cardinals plus five and a half against the Raiders uh, over the weekend and looked all but dead, but they come storming back. And McDaniels kind of, uh, the way they were calling their offense down the stretch, a little weird, not milking the clock as much as they did. So they allowed the Cardinals to come back in. But I think... You know, when you look at some of the the performances in week two, one of my big takeaways is through two games, you have some extreme performances where the, the middle is probably the truth for some of these teams, but you don't know what to do with them. You know, I'll give you an example, the Ravens, right? The Ravens in week one, they really struggle on offense. They get by the Jets and they cover in that game. They win 24 to nine and their defense looks really dominant. They hold the Jets. I think it was like two of 12 or three of 12, somewhere in that range on third downs. They were really good. Uh, but then they come back, their offense explodes against the Dolphins, but their defense implodes against the Dolphins, and they end up losing that game in one of the comebacks that we're talking about here. So you get all these performances where there's teams that have extreme performances on one end or the other. The truth is somewhere in the middle. The Vikings could be one of those, right? Looking dominant offensively against the Green Bay Packers and then coming back and looking absolute drag on Monday night against Philly. So I think that's the tough part of where we're at in the early part of the NFL season. You're going to get teams who perform on opposite sides of the spectrum through two games, and it's a really small sample size some teams have only played like 20 possessions with their offense and defense respectively it's hard to really get a grasp of what these teams are especially after some crazy lopsided performances so you kind of got to gut this through and uh, kind of see it through through week three because once you get to like week three and once those games hit paper and you can see some of these teams you generally get more of an idea of what these teams are going to be as the season moves along and do you have uh, big enough onions to bet against the buffalo bills i did last night and you know what's funny that game was very competitive um, yeah. the Tennessee is right there and but if they can't capitalize um, well then it, it just blows out and I overreacted on the bills um, or after week one I uh, took the plus 550 to win it all it's now down to plus 375 and uh, as long as uh, Josh Allen is going to run the ball to try and uh, aid them in critical conversion downs as he did in both the Rams and the Titans game uh, last uh, last uh, night um I'm, 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 JVT. I'm betting a blind in a money line parlay until until I'm done. I might not lay yeah. the lumber, but uh, I 
I'm, I'm chumping out, man. I'm squaring out uh, on these Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry. You know, well, I think so. I haven't bet on, on Buffalo in either of the two matchups. I know I used the Rams and Caesar in week one, uh, so I tried to go against them here. But I will say that the Bills, I have not bet them uh, yet. Uh, five and a half is kind of a dead number. So, you know, if you didn't get on like five or four and a half, you know, you can still bet that number now. Um, but I would say that I haven't eliminated them from a short list in terms of contest plays for this coming weekend at the very least, because I think from a matchup perspective, they match up really well with the Dolphins, even given what they did in that fourth quarter against Baltimore. The Bills have only blitzed Jimmy three times through two games. That's it. Like they, they are so good on the back end. They don't end. They're good on the front end as well. They don't feel the need to send extra rushers after quarterbacks. They can send their base four guys, drop everybody back and force quarterbacks to work with their eyes, their reads, all these things. And we have seen like through these first few games, Ryan Tannehill again on Monday night, two turnover worthy plays, like overall in every single aspect. When he was kept clean, he was picked off twice, only threw for 79 yards. Uh, when he wasn't blitzed, 6.5 yards per attempt through both of his interceptions, committed both of his turnover worthy plays. We saw what they did to Matthew Stafford. They are so good up front. And I think when you look at this matchup with Tua, I think that's a nightmare for him. Like, he's really good at those quick passes. They're going to be really electric when teams blitz them. But I think when you look at what the Bills can do, when they're just going to send four after Tua and they're going to feel comfortable getting pressure and dropping everybody back and forcing him to make the right decision, I think that's a pretty bad matchup for the Dolphins. I'm really intrigued by the Bills this weekend. And that's without Gabriel Davis, who he targeted the yep. most against the Rams uh, last night, and also Tredavious White. Uh, conservatively speaking, top five cover guy on the corner uh, in the NFL. Um, he'll be able to man somebody up, and they can send an extra guy. Uh, a luxury they're not even needing uh, right now. Let's get to this week's schedule and look at uh, the Chiefs and the Colts. So the Chiefs um, got backdoored uh, on a couple of fourth downs against the Chargers. Um, it would have been a miraculous cover, a horrible uh, non-cover for the Chargers, but still, uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes. Uh, Chargers slowed them down a, a little bit more than what we saw in the opener against Kansas City. The Colts, it's been rough. Uh, they open up on the road yep. for two straight games. Was it eight or nine trips now they've failed to win uh, in Jacksonville, and they nine, hardly yeah. did anything. Jonathan Taylor only rushed about nine times last week, and I was worried about the Colts when Michael Pittman was scratched, was uh, put on the inactive list. That's a weak unit to begin with. You take away far and above your best receiver, and at uh, and Matt Ryan looks, did you say old? Old. Right now? <laughs> I mean, JVT, you're eyeing down this Kansas City, Indianapolis home dog plus six and a half. Buy low spot maybe on this team. The Colts, that was uh, some so much better was expected of them this season. Yeah, I think so. And you look at it too. The, the look-ahead line here uh, from the week prior was three. So we've really come like a really long way from just about a week ago from a ratings perspective. But you've hit on a couple of points that I think are really important when it comes to looking at this matchup. First of which is, if the Colts get a little bit healthier here, that's going to help them out quite a bit. It's not only Michael Pittman wasn't available. Alec Pierce, one of their other wide receivers, was not available for them either. He had a concussion. So you're talking about two of the top pass catchers, or who they expect to be their top pass catchers, who weren't available for Matt Ryan in that game against Jacksonville. Uh, of course, Michael Pittman, Kenny Moore, DeForest Buckner, uh, excuse me, not Michael Pittman, uh, DeForest Buckner and Kenny Moore, uh, did play, but they were questionable all week leading up to that. Maybe another week they're going to be a little bit better off in terms of their health coming in here. But it's kind of playing against the, the, the perception, which is this at one point was a three-point game. Now we're nearing a touchdown between these two. And you talked about Kansas City. I mean, just look at that Chiefs or that Kansas City-LA uh, game alone on Thursday night. When you're talking about being outgained by 82 yards, six fewer first downs, you gave up the Chargers on third and uh, fourth down combined, nine of 20. But – 
you won that game. Why? Because you were plus one in the turnover margin, and that turnover was a pick six that went back for a touchdown. But here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes has been playing with fire. Through these first two games, Jimmy, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, a turnover-worthy play rate of 4.8%. That is the eighth-highest turnover-worthy play rate among quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's got zero interceptions. He continues to put the ball in dangerous places, but picks are getting dropped. Picks are getting overruled. Those turnover-worthy plays aren't turning into turnovers, but he's continuously putting it in harm's way. So I think when you look at that, if you're going to maintain that level of play, if you're Patrick Mahomes consistently getting dangerous the way you're putting that ball, if the Colts are going to get a little bit healthier here, and the market just a week ago thought that this was a three-point game I think we're kind of getting the territory where I'm going to look at Indianapolis to buy low it's a team that's been on the road for the first two weeks now you get to come back home in a little bit more friendlier confines and if you're healthier I'm willing to kind of take a shot here against Kansas City at an inflated number so six and a half's out there now I would say wait until game time too because I'm sure over at Bet Rivers it'll get up to seven because of the public nature of the Kansas City Chiefs and how poorly the Colts have played but I'm going to take my shot here with Indy at home I don't have the stats handy, but a team that opens up uh, 0-2 or 0-1-1, the rare 0-1-1 uh, on the road, comes back home, is a little bit of a desperate spot at home yeah. and usually comes up with a big effort. You know, I, I forget the numbers and the stats, but that's something that is usually uh, you're going to get a big, big uh, effort. And, you know, Kansas City's just on cruise control right now because that division is not shaping up to be quite as tough as as a lot of people uh, first thought. Let's uh, stay in that division and go to Denver, Denver, Colorado. Now the San Francisco 49ers. Well, the, the interesting thing here is, well, JVT, I've got yeah. my little power ratings. Where do you adjust the power ratings going from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo? It's very interesting. I thought he was very average, not bad, yep. not good against uh, against Seattle on Sunday. Um, but, you know, average may be all that this team needs at times. Trey Lance, lower ceiling. I'm sorry, lower, lower, lower floor, higher ceiling, maybe than Jimmy Garoppolo, but still way, way, ways away from his development as a quarterback. Let's not prejudge, uh, you know, Trey Lance. He's got a long way to go, and now this even puts him further behind on that developmental process. Denver now at home catching one and a half against the 49ers. Uh, and really quickly, going back to what you were talking about, I do have a number for you. Since 2003, NFL teams that start the season 0-2 against the spread have gone 81-64 and ATS in Week 3. Um, so if people like that sort of an angle, you can use that. And that falls, you know, the Colts fall under that umbrella because they're 0-2 against the spread. I, I would um, think it's more exaggerated with the going 0-2 with in going home, yeah. Right, yeah. 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 Um, but so with this game, this is kind of – it's along the same lines. But I will say this, and I'm going to emphasize it. Uh, this play is dependent on the injury report because I want Jerry Judy out there. I want Patrick Sertan out there. Uh, they got good news the Broncos did earlier yesterday, which was they are both day-to-day with injury as opposed to extended. So you could get both of them out there, which is going to be really important, specifically Judy, because Judy looked really good at times, specifically that big touchdown on Monday night against Seattle. So you want him out there for Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. But you mentioned the adjustment between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't make an adjustment. For, from a power rating standpoint, I don't think there is a difference between these two. I think when you break down Jimmy Garoppolo's statistically you used a really good word he's very average when it comes to his level of play pff graded him out i think he had a 63.6 somewhere around that 62 in terms of his passing grade against the seattle seahawks uh in that game on sunday he wasn't overtly explosive and i and i think too if you're going to make an adjustment to put it this way jimmy 
This was a San Francisco team that with Trey Lance at quarterback coming into the year, had a win total of 10, was the second choice to win the NFC West, was a touchdown favorite on the road against the Chicago Bears, and was a nine and a half point favorite at home over Seattle. This was an insanely highly power rated team with Trey Lance. So you're going to make that even higher because now you're talking about San Francisco being right behind the Super Bowl contenders when it comes to a power rating perspective if you're going to upgrade them from where they were. I don't think you make that much of an adjustment for San Francisco. And I think when you look at this against Denver, again, we talk about look-ahead lines or where these numbers were. This was a two-and-a-half-point spread in favor of Denver before we saw everything transpire over the weekend. And now you're seeing the San Francisco 49ers as a favorite. I just think we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yes, the Broncos have not looked very good through two weeks. But if you go back to week one, when you have multiple red zone turnovers, especially at the goal line, you probably should have won that game. You look at the yardage, completely outgained them. Yards per play, completely outgained them uh, on that Monday night game against Seattle. And you come back home in a pretty poor spot. You lose Jerry Judy. And on top of that, you and I have talked about this, and this is one of the points. This Houston Texans team is, I think, better than the market gives them credit for. So I think what we're looking at here for me is, at this point of the season, I kind of want to play against some of these really big reactions, right? It's the theme of my play with the Indianapolis Colts and the Chiefs. And it's kind of the play here and the theme here with the Denver Broncos against the San Francisco 49ers. Again, I want to make sure that I have Jerry Judy and Patrick Sertan out there. That's part of the reason probably why this line is the way it is. And it's probably going to be in your pick. But I do think that Denver, in a league in which home field really is, again, worth that much, probably about a point, point and a half, I still think at the very least they should be favored here by about one, one and a half points against San Francisco, who I have not upgraded since Jimmy G's back. So I think the Broncos, if they're going to be healthy, if I get those two on the field, I think they're going to be worth the play here this weekend. All right, uh, a home dog again uh, for JVT. Looking for a teaser now, a six-point teaser in this game. And now, you know, we like to go over the hot numbers of three and seven. I got burned last week on some teasers. Saints, Minnesota, Washington, Cincinnati, all, if you tease them over that three and seven, still failed to to hit. But stay with it here as we look at – I I compare these guys. They're different paths uh, over the – course of their career and for week one they were really good week two Marcus Mariota pulled away from Geno Smith he was way better and Geno Smith hasn't played well since the first half yep. uh, of that uh, highly emotional game against the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson's return and also Green Bay an interesting game Tampa Bay is 2-0 and without doing a whole lot on offense they now looking at Cole Beasley coming in to try and uh, shore up the roster a little bit of a desperate move there you look at uh, Seattle is minus one and a half Tampa Bay is minus two against Green Bay. Yeah, and so when you look at Atlanta first off and, and and teasing Atlanta up in this spot here against Seattle, I think Atlanta comes into this season, they're 0-2, um, but they have covered both of their games up to this point because I think there is some continuity there that is not being accounted for in the market when it comes to Marcus Mariota and Arthur Smith. Remember, they were on the Titans together all those years ago. There is some familiarity with this offense and the way that it can get executed, and sure enough, we saw Atlanta, especially in the fourth quarter, right? They scored 17 points in the fourth to get back within a big number but they're a little bit better and they have done this now against two teams that I think we all agree are clearly quite better than them right they were five and a half point underdog at home against New Orleans in week one they were a 10 point underdog on the road against Los Angeles here in week two well now these are two similarly rated teams and if you're talking about a spread of like two it's telling you that Seattle is a better team than Atlanta and I'm not sure if that's really the case between these two clubs I would say that Atlanta at the very least is power rated exactly the same against Seattle and you mentioned it Geno Smith has really uh the it seems as he has turned into a pumpkin right it has worn off after that first half the second half they were pretty anemic against the Denver Broncos and we saw what happened in week two against a better San Francisco team 
I think that Atlanta, especially when you're talking about a game that is floating around this number, or you can tease up through those two key numbers that might be a little undervalued in a spot like this, uh, I think is really valuable. And the flip side, too, if you talked about the other leg, is Green Bay. So I was on Green Bay in the contest against Chicago uh, on Sunday night. And part of my thinking was, I think you're going to start to see them lean a little bit more on their veterans and their running backs. Those are the things that they know, right? Which is A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. And sure enough, what happens? Jones goes insane. A.J. Dillon has a fantastic game. They played a little bit more methodical pace. And it's guys like Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard who really stick out from receiver standpoint. And I think you're going to start to see the shift in mentality here for the Green Bay Packers with their offense. So they're starting to figure things out. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the same time have some issues on offense that you mentioned it. They go get Beasley because they're so thin at wide receiver. Their offensive line has some shortcomings as well Tom Brady and the offense looks a little disjointed because of all the moving pieces at the skill positions with this low total as well because that's an important factor when it comes to these teasers it, with such a low total and two teams that are very defensive oriented at this point right now Todd Bowles fingerprints are all over Tampa Bay I think again feel pretty confident that this is going to stay within that touchdown number between those two too so I think ultimately together when I like the the teaser legs Atlanta Green Bay I use them both tease them both up to the seven and the three I love Atlanta uh, in this spot, and I think that Seattle uh, emotional win, I had them against Denver on Monday night, expecting that. Some people were surprised about the treatment that uh, Russell Wilson got. Well, they were trying to unnerve them. They were trying to aid their team in winning that game. They wanted to win. You know, if they were 3-9 and game 13, well, it might have been a different uh, reception. But uh, the season opener, uh, they were all in. I I love uh, the way Mariota's playing. I'm I'm not expecting him to make a run to the playoffs or whatever it is, but I think he's comfortable. And I don't know over react to quotes but I like the things coming out of his mouth the sort of mature established quarterback that's just kind of comfortable where he is right now and they're getting something out of Drake London which I thought was a little bit of a reach too much in style maybe to um uh, to Pitts but still um they, they have some stuff in a great play by Jalen Ramsey uh to uh, to secure that victory because yep. that was not a bad throw to a bigger target that was an unbelievable play Green Bay look JGT don't they don't, we, don't they deserve a mulligan on week one every year? The way right. they kind of just throw it out there and they just totally <clears throat> throw it. <clears throat> don't play any starters in the preseason. And, I mean, Jacksonville, a neutral side against the Saints, they get run out the gym. I mean, uh, Minnesota. So they've done this before. And I think that young receiving course is going to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better as we go on. So Green Bay, I like Green Bay as well. So in reverse order, six-point teaser. Atlanta plus seven and a half, Green Bay plus eight, Denver plus one and a half, and the Colts plus six and a half. Two, uh, two home dogs, and then also some slight favorites teasing over the hot numbers of three and seven. Anything else, uh, JVT, as you looked at the card that maybe ca- caught your attention? You know, we, we talked about um, the, the one that really did stick out, which was Buffalo and uh, Miami, but I'll say this, Jimmy. So the Titans kind of intrigued me a little bit too against the, against Las Vegas. There's a really strong argument to be made that the Raiders should probably, at the very least, be one and one, and a very strong argument they could be two and zero too because Derek Carr yes. missed some really big throws in that game against the Chargers that would have ultimately resulted in some touchdowns. Um, so who knows how that plays out? But ultimately, they're own two, and they have nobody to blame but themselves because it's been a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And I get that the Titans, after a really bad performance, look relatively bad, and the market overall is pretty down on them. But I am somewhat surprised to see that this number is as high as it is in favor of Las Vegas on 
the road against Tennessee. The, the Raiders still have some injury concerns. We're going to see what's going to happen with, with Morig and Perryman and uh, Gabe Jackson, their center. So we'll see if those guys are going to be relatively healthy as you head into that matchup. Uh, but Tennessee is a relatively well-coached team. And the final result last night was very, very bad. Uh, but Tennessee against likely-rated opponents, kind of like a team like Las Vegas, I'm not sure they deserve to be home underdogs against the Raiders, just given what we've seen from the Raiders up to this point. So I think that was the other one that really stuck out out of all the numbers that I had circled. It's not even like it moved, really, right? It opened pick in some spots, one, and now they're up to like that two, two and a half mark. I'm, I'm somewhat surprised the Raiders have the market's respect in this spot. Another tease opportunity right now, yep. Bet Rivers, it's plus two and a half, so you would get it over that three and uh, seven. And uh, and now, listen, I had Arizona. It's a, hot, it's a made-up call. Uh, on the defensive holding against Zach Ertz. It was bad. That, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, just made up. And uh, you uh, on uh, the Saints, I had the Saints teased as well. That was a horrible beat, the way that game uh, was unfolding. Um, it's, you know, with the, um, you know, the you get the stop, but on uh, they give them the personal fouls. So oh, the, the too many men on the punt, the, the personal fouls, the hold on Leonard. Remember when uh, – was it uh, Cam Jordan who beat up Leonard Fournette at the line of scrimmage? And, well, uh, welcome, welcome to our world and who that nation as yeah. far as the conspiracy against the Saints in the NFL. So, especially with Tom Brady uh, coming in. JVT, you can check him out on a VEASAN. He's with us every week with his top three picks on Sports Better's Paradise. I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel.